Welcome to Intentionally Grounded, sponsored by GoRoute, simplifying scout teams through simple and direct coach-to-player communication. Episode 19 features South Dakota State's offensive line coach and run game coordinator, Jason Eck. Coach Eck shares his detailed coaching background, the traits and skills he looks for in an offensive lineman, South Dakota State's secret to protecting the quarterback, as well as the variations of SDSU's power play and how they protect it. Coach Eck is one of the best and most entertaining coaches to talk ball with and is a genuine individual who gives back to the football coaching community. We felt very fortunate to have him on our show, and we hope you'll enjoy his story. Don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our current and previous blog posts, along with our podcast episodes. Also, please leave a review on one of our podcasting networks, such as iTunes or Stitcher, and help us share and grow our program with others. Enjoy our latest guest, Coach Jason Eck. Here with Coach Eck of South Dakota State University. Coach, introduce us to yourself and tell us a little bit about your background in coaching. Brian, thanks a lot for having me on. Honored to be your first uh, in-person uh, interview here. Um, I've been coaching. This will be my 28th year coming up in coaching. So I, I got into it right when I finished playing. I graduated uh, from the University of Wisconsin in 1999, and then I started right away as a graduate assistant there. Uh, under Coach Alvarez, so learned uh, you know a lot from those guys. Um, you know they they were kind of the the basis of my coaching experience. The the coaches who I learned from then, and uh, then I went on and gra- was a graduate assistant again at the University of Colorado on Gary Barnett's staff. Um, learned a lot from them, and then uh, first full time job was at the University of Idaho. Uh, who now has moved down to FCS, what we're in. They were FBS at the time. Worked for two different head coaches there. Spent uh, two years at Winona State University in Division II in Minnesota. Spent two years at Ball State in the MAC. Uh, then went to Hampton University in Virginia for a year. Western Illinois for a year. Uh, two years at Minnesota State Mankato. Had my, my only year of uh, coordinating experience calling the plays was there. And then uh, went to Montana State for a year, and now I've settled uh, settled in here at South Dakota State, going into my third year here, which uh, I'm excited about. So I've been uh, well-traveled in my career, but uh, very fortunate to find a good good home here with Coach Stig now. Coach, you also are the run game coordinator. Uh, you talked about your, your experience with the offensive line. Uh, talk a little bit about the fundamentals and some of the drills and skills that your own linemen have to have to be successful. I really feel offensive line play – comes down to four base fundamentals that I believe in. Uh, the first one is the ability to move your feet quickly. The second one is the ability to change direction, which I feel is, is different than, uh, than necessarily moving your feet quickly because you have to have a lot of body control and balance to change direction. Uh, the third one is playing with leverage, which I defend, define as your bend, how well you bend and get your hips down, and then how well you play with a base. And then the last one is uh, strike, you know, the ability to, to channel force through your body and strike an opponent and deliver a blow. Um, so I think everything comes down to those four things. And I, I try to hit different drills every day that, that feature those drills. And, you know, striking in the pass game is a lot of times different than striking in the run game. But a lot of the same, uh, you know, muscles you're engaging, a lot of the same uh, body movements are similar uh, in the process. So... We don't have uh, everyday drills that we'll do every day, but those are everyday fundamentals that we're working. Sure. Now, 
Traditionally, your offensive line have not given up a lot of sacks. You've done a real good job protecting your quarterback. What do you think has been the key to the reason behind you've been doing so well by protecting your quarterback? Well, I, I think keeping your quarterback healthy is just very important to your, your livelihood as a team. So I think that that's something you have to invest in. And even if you're a team that wants to run the ball a lot, you know, there's going to come time by game situation, whether you're down or you're in two-minute drills, or you're going to force to throw the ball when people know you're going to throw it. And you need to really invest time in protection. So um, a few things I think are important to that. Number one, I think you have to, you know, you get what you emphasize. So you have to emphasize that and make that a point that we're going to do a great job of protecting the quarterback. You need to do a great job of getting everybody on the same page in your protection schemes, which to me means a lot being simple, not being too complex. You have a lot of busts in your protection schemes, but you need to have backs and quarterbacks all intertwined if you're using receivers um, in a hot game, which I'm not crazy about. But if you are, you got to make sure they're all on the same page for what you're doing. Uh, and that's sometimes being creative with meetings, having protection meetings that incorporates different positions um, working together. Um, and then I think you know working a lot, investing in in pass pro with your practice time. I, I found uh, you know early in my career, probably because I was I started my career at the University of Wisconsin, where we were heavy running the ball. But I figured I felt like sometimes we you know would spend you know if we had uh, you know forty five minutes of individual, it'd be like thirty five minutes of run, and then all right, we we'll catch up <laughs> on the pass at the end. Yeah. But, you, know, you have to emphasize. You got you got to work it first sometimes. You got to make a point of it. Uh, and then I think your targets and recruiting, I think, you know, targeting guy, athletic guys who can move their feet quickly, guys who can change direction, um, that's a part of it. But I, I think reducing lost yardage plays is a, you know, a key to having good offense. And uh, obviously sacks are demoralizing. They can get your quarterback hurt and they can cause turnovers. So it's, they're pretty bad. <laughs> Coach, you just kind of hit on that a little bit, just about some of the, the offenses that you've been a part of in your coaching tenure. They've had a lot of success. Um what are just a few of the staple concepts or schemes that you guys employ at all the different places you've been? Well, I, you know, I really believe in power. You know, power is, uh, you know, probably my favorite run play. It stood the test of time, and I think you can do different things out of it. Where, you know, when I learned power, we were under center reversing out at Wisconsin, where now we do a lot of our power out of the pistol, and uh, we kind of open backside where the quarterback puts his butt to the hole and. Given the illusion, almost you're reading somebody on the backside, which I think is a unique little thing that we do. And I, I got that when I worked at Minnesota State Mankato with Aaron Keene, who's now at Eastern Michigan. And uh, yeah, it's something I, I hold, I think, is a really good little wrinkle to have if you're away from center running power. Uh, you know, we're an inside zone team. I think, you know, inside zone has been a concept throughout my career. Every place I've, I've been at, we've run. Now, again, I think it's a play that's evolved and, you know, blocking it quite a bit differently than we did like when I first learned it, but I think that, that's a process, again, of just offenses evolving in, in formations and backfield sets we're in. You know, when I learned inside zone, again, it was an under center, quarterback fronting out, where now, you know, we always run it away from center. We're in pistol or we're an offset gun, which changes the landmarks, and, you know, I think that has to also change. When your back's landmarks change, I think your your own line's landmarks have to change. And then... Uh, I, mean, I think you have to have some plays that, that threaten the perimeter. Here we run a mid-zone that's been kind of a perimeter play for us. You know, I've been at other plays where places where power read was. and uh, you know, I've been at places where you did some pin and pull. But I, I think that, you know, I think inside zone and power have always been a staple for me. And I think you have to evolve with what you're doing with the other things. You know, last year we ran a lot of open side uh, 
mid zone. A lot of times we block down on a nose with the guard and pull the center around. And I also think it's always important to fit, you know, the talents of your players and build your offense around who you have personnel wise. We had a very athletic center who was an All American last year. He won the Remington Award for the top center in FCS football. So, you know, we got to find a ways to use him to be a difference maker and. You know, using him as a puller and getting him up in backers and spaces uh, gave him those opportunities. So, you know, during your time, you've, you've been really big into power. What would be some of your favorite ways to protect power and, and ways to make sure that, that play is still a very successful staple for your offense? Well, I, I think one of the biggest ones that I like is is that having the quarterback, uh, you know, open out a pistol with his butt to the hole so that if we have people who are, are diving extra people in there, backside safety, backside backers really fast, gives us the option to pull the ball, you know, a few times. And that's, um, you know, a lot of times that's been a good play for us in short yardage. You know, we converted in short yardage against TCU a couple of years ago where quarterback pulled it on the backside, you know, against someone who you're, you know, is better than you on the front side. Mm-hmm. You gave right. us a one-on-one on the backside for a first down on third and one. Uh, when I was at Mankato, we played Pittsburgh State, which is an outstanding program, and a lot of talent out of Kansas. And you know, we scored on the goal line where they brought a, you know, a saw dog cover zero double edge pressure on the goal line, and the quarterback pulled it and, and ran in. So I, I think that's one great way uh, to protect it. And then I, I think you need to have uh, you know play actions off of those same backfield sets, uh, take advantage of people who are getting safeties down. I, you know, I don't know if it always has to be. You know, a lot of times I always say sometimes your formation is your play action. You know, if you if you can get in formations where you know, they know you like to run a run play, even if the action isn't exactly the same, even if you're not pulling a guard like you did on power, if you're in a power formation and everything looks the same, a lot of times now, you, you know, they're juiced up for that power. You give them a run fake, even if it's not a pulling guard, the exact same blocking scheme, I think you can get behind people and do some things like that. Um, so th- those are the ways to mix it up. And then I think the last thing I would say is, Trade shifts motions, you know, trying to hide formations, trying to hide sets, uh, you know, break tendency that way are all ways you can kind of protect it and still run it without uh, everybody know you're running it. But I think the other thing is, this is why I love power. I think we want the mentality of our team to play no matter what the defense does, we're going to gain a yard. If we have the worst look possible, if they line up 15 guys, we're going to find a way to gain a yard and we run power. And uh, I think you want that mentality, uh, you know, with your line running that play. You know, we're going to pick up fourth and one no matter what the team does. Coach, you, and you talked about this at the very, very beginning about your kind of four staples. How do you recruit offensive linemen Keeping those principles in mind, are you are you, is that your sole purpose? You recruit guys who have good feet right away, or or what are some of your, you know, non-negotiables when you're recruiting kids? You know, other you know, obviously he's got to qualify academically, he's got to be in good standing, you know, high character kids, obviously yeah. all of those things. But from a skill standpoint, what do you start with, and and work your way down on your list of things before you can bring a kid in? Recruiting is an inexact science. I I, I like. Uh... I like horse racing. I like, I've been to the Kentucky Derby 12 times. <laughs> and, you know, when you pull out, like, a daily racing form that has, like, the past performances as a horse race to somebody and, like, show it to them for the first time. You know, Coach, Coach Jackson likes the races, too. He went to the Kentucky Derby with me this year. It's an overload of information, just how many different things there are to look at. Recruiting's kind of the same way. You know, there, there's so many different factors you can you can focus on, whether it's, 
you know, a kid's film, a kid's workout numbers, um, you know, a kid's character, a kid's uh, genetics, you know, who, you know, uh, athletic parents. There's so many different factors that you can look at. Uh, you know, I, I do think there's certain profiles you like to look at. I like to look at who are our best players at the school I'm at, you know, who are our best three or four starters, and then kind of start to build a profile of those guys. I think it's even more effective as you look at it over time. And then you're, you're not always going to have a guy who hits all those, you know, things, but I think you'll see some trends. You'll see, all right, you know, most of our good players, you know, run a 4.8 or less in the pro agility. Okay, most of our good players had a certain GPA coming out of high school. Most of our, um, uh, you know, good players did not have any, you know, were not in trouble at all. You know, most of our guys were good players did not have any, you know, whatever it is. It's different. I, I'm not, those aren't all specific to us, but I think you kind of build a, a profile. And then what I, what I like to do is, all right, you're never going to find guys, I think, who are perfect in all those categories, but see if you can get a guy who has only one deficiency, mm-hmm. you know, and then have, what's your plan for that deficiency? How do you, how do you work around that? Um, you know, I think, I think like our center last year ended up being a great player was a great example of that. And he was not heavily recruited, uh, but had, had great, which is really hard to measure the desire to be good investment, work ethic, uh, character was just off the charts, really wanted to be a good player, really invested of himself. You know, for him, probably his one knock was he was not very tall. You know, his, his, his height and his length was not very good, long arms and that. But uh, he was a great example that heart and desire and investment and how much time you're willing to put in, you know, away from just practice with recovery, with taking care of your body, with watching film, that stuff can really pay off. Um, but uh, but it's a mix. You, you don't want all the same guys. You know, again, at our level, uh, you know, I think that, you know, when you're recruiting long guys, you know, guys with great length and you want to do that to take some shots, they're not going to be as polished because if a guy is a great technician and he's 6'5 and 275 and athletic, you know, those are the people everybody in the country recruits, you know, at the, the power five level as well. So, you know, when we're recruiting our length guys, they're probably going to need some more development in their athleticism or be severe weight gain guys who really have to put on a lot of weight. Um, now, when we start looking at guys who are, you know, 6'2 and under, I mean, I, I feel like we can recruit as good as 6'2 players <laughs> there are in the country because, you know, the so many teams won't recruit guys uh, for that. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it's a mix. It's a mix. It's a mesh. I think you want to try to find some trends and try to hit those trends, uh, you know, as much as possible. You know, again, I, I really, um, you know, I like it when a guy's an eight-foot broad jumper because I think a lot, when you look at guys in the O-line at our level, guys who are eight-foot broad jumpers become starters and really good players at a much higher level than guys who are below. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean we haven't had good players who are, seven-foot broad jumpers. It's just, to me, you have to look, well, what's the reason why this guy will when most of the guys, you know, it's, it's a lower rate. Well, he has to be off the charts and character. He has to be really smart. He has to be really uh, dedicated. But it's a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a art. It's not a science. <laughs> uh, and you're constantly refining it, and you're constantly, uh, um, you know, learning, I think, through the process as, as you go about it and trying to find better ways to evaluate those things, the the toughness, the want to, the character, because uh, um, it, it's an art. So as we kind of wrap up here, I kind of warned you going into this uh, on our tradition. So if you had to pick a walk-up song, what would it be and why? 
Well, one thing, I studied psychology. My undergrad degree was in psychology at uh, the University of Wisconsin. And that, uh, I think I kind of in the back of my mind always knew I wanted to be a coach. And I, I do think that that fits in pretty well with coaching. And uh, we had a great sports psychologist who I who worked with our team at Minnesota State Mankato when we went to the uh, national championship game in 2014. And she, I learned from her the, the power of positive self-talk and making sure that you're fighting uh, negative things in your mind and you're, 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 you're talking to yourself, you're not listening to yourself. So I don't know uh, who sings it, but that one song, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come out yeah. to that and give, yeah. myself, give myself some positive self-talk before I come up to the plate or go to the ring. If you found this podcast helpful, please take the time to go and leave a review, either on Stitcher or iTunes, and let us know what you think.